Matthew chapter 4 finishes the transition into Jesus' adult ministry, and it starts with Jesus being tempted in the wilderness. In chapters 2 and 3, we see tension between people around Jesus and Roman and Jewish leadership, but the first confrontation Jesus has is not with men, but with an ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan. Just as this tempter came to Adam and Eve in the garden wilderness, Satan tests the new Adam in the wilderness of Judea. Jesus is 40 days and nights in the wilderness after coming out of Egypt and passing through water mirror the nation of Israel's exodus out of Egypt and 40-year journey through the wilderness, where they subsisted only on manna provided by God. But Jesus does what Adam and Eve could not do in the garden and what Israel could not do as a nation. Jesus resists the devil's temptations, is perfectly obedient to the will of God, and responds with the word of God. Each of the temptations toward need and pride and power are responded to by Jesus with quotations from the book of Deuteronomy, which, by the way, takes place while the Israelites were being tested in the wilderness too. Jesus then emerges from the wilderness and starts his ministry. He had left Nazareth and was now in Galilee in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali. Matthew relates this to a prophecy in Isaiah that the people of Zebulun and Naphtali would have a light dawn on them, that these people in the darkness would see a great light. What's the message of Jesus? It's exactly the same message that John the Baptist laid out when he was this herald before King Jesus' arrival. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He starts this ministry with a kingdom call to all people, but also a specific call to a few. In this chapter, Jesus calls his first disciples, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. He pulls four fishermen from the region and asks them to turn from catching fish and instead focus their lives on reaching people. Both were careers that fed, but this new task had more kingdom impact. It says these men had a sense of urgency when they responded to the call. Immediately, they left the two articles essential for fishing behind to follow Jesus. They left their nets and their boats, as well as their families, to follow Jesus' call. While proclaiming the gospel throughout the region, Jesus engaged with all people, formally teaching in synagogues and informally healing all manner of ailments. Jesus' fame spreads and a giant crowd begins to assemble, leading up to the next chapter, and the start of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. Welcome back. I'm Brian, and today we're covering Matthew chapter 4. I'm a nerd, so naturally I'm going to start my discussion on Matthew chapter 4 by opening my Bible to the book of Deuteronomy. If that is super perplexing to you, hang in there. I'm going to try to weave it all together. Deuteronomy is actually one of my favorite books. Although it is probably one of the least read books in the Bible, it is one of the most alluded to books of the Bible. It's the fifth book in the Old Testament, and just about every book after it in some way references a statement in Deuteronomy. It is definitely on my list of books to cover at some point in the future. The situation occurring during the book of Deuteronomy is this. The Israelites have left Egypt and they are wrapping up 40 years worth of journeying in the wilderness. They are literally on the doorstep of the promised land. Moses, who has been leading the Israelites the whole time, has been told by God that the consequence for his disobedience to God is that he will not be entering the promised land with his people. 
So the book of Deuteronomy sets up as this series of Moses' last speeches to the Israelites. It goes back over God's covenant with his people, the Ten Commandments, a lot of other laws, but it also presents some of the biggest statements about the Israelite people, where they have come from, where they are heading, and what God is going to do. I'm going to read through some portions of Deuteronomy. It's quite a number of them. I'm going to skip around a bit between Deuteronomy 6, 8, 28, and 30, and I'm reading the CSB translation. I will post all of these verses up on the blog if I remember, so you can find them later and read them fully. But they are long, so forgive me kind of jumping around a bit. While listening to these verses, think about what you know about the Israelites. Think about if the Israelites have been obedient or not to these statements. The answer to that question is important, so we'll be circling around to it. Listen, Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, worship him, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry with you and obliterate you from the face of the earth. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massah. The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord our God with all our prosperity always and for our preservation. Carefully follow every command I am giving you today so that you may live and increase. Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you and know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your fathers had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord." Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been dis disciplining you, just as a man disciplines his son. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God. Be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness. You may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember... The Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow and worship to them, I testify against you today that you will perish. Now, if you faithfully obey the Lord your God and careful and are careful to follow all his commands I'm giving you today, the Lord your God will put you far above all the nations of the earth. The Lord will establish you as his holy people. As he swore to you, if you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth will see that you bear the Lord's name and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You will only move upward and never downward. Do not turn aside to the right or the left from all the things I am commanding you today and do not follow other gods to worship them. But if you do not obey the Lord your God by carefully following all his commands and statutes I'm giving you today, all these curses will come and overtake you. 
the Lord will send against you curses, confusion, and rebuke in everything you do until you are destroyed and quickly perish because of the wickedness of your actions in abandoning me. All these curses will come, pursue, and overtake you until you are destroyed because you didn't serve the Lord your God with joy and a cheerful heart even though you had an abundance of everything. You will serve your enemies the Lord will send against you in famine, thirst, nakedness, and a lack of everything. He will place an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation from far away, from the ends of the earth, to swoop down on you like an eagle, a nation whose language you won't understand, a ruthless nation, showing no respect for the old and not sparing the young. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples, from one end of the earth to the other. You will find no peace among those nations, and there will be no resting place for the sole of your foot. There the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and a despondent spirit. Your life will hang in doubt before you. You will be in dread night and day, never certain of survival. In the morning you will say, if only it were evening, and in the evening you will say, if only it were morning, because of the dread you will have in your heart and because of what you will see. When these things happen to you, the blessings and the curses I have set before you, and you come to your senses while you are in all the nations where the Lord your God has driven you, and you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart and with all your soul by doing everything I am commanding you today, then he will restore your fortunes, have compassion on you, and gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your descendants, and you will love him with all your heart and with all your soul, so that you will live. See, today I have set before you life and prosperity, death and adversity, for I am commanding you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, statutes, and ordinances, so that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God may bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you do not listen and you are led astray to bow and worship to other gods and serve them, I tell you, tell you today that you will certainly perish and will not prolong your days. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him, and remain faithful to him, for he is your life, and he will prolong your days as long as you live in the land the Lord swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay, I know that was a mouthful of scripture, and a lot of reading from me, but I wanted to get my full point across. The Israelites didn't love God with their whole heart. They didn't obey God's commands, and they were not obedient to him. They did not resist temptations, and they suffered the curses of destruction and exile. God's plan required someone else to come along and do what the Israelites could not do, what we today could never do. God sent himself to be the perfectly obedient covenant keeper that Israel required, that we require today. Jesus was obedient in baptism last chapter, and today we see that Jesus was obedient despite being tempted with all the earthly indulgences and all the worldly power that Satan himself could offer up. 
It's no accident that Jesus replies to each temptation with a quote from Deuteronomy, a book commanding obedience from the Israelites who are also being tested in the wilderness. It is a book that promises amazing blessings from God for covenant keepers. Israel as a nation wasn't able to be that covenant keeper, so somebody else had to come along. Jesus perfectly fulfills the old covenant and ushers in a new covenant. A covenant of salvation for those who believe in Christ alone through faith alone. Alright, back to Matthew chapter 4. Who leads Jesus into the wilderness? It's not the devil who leads Jesus into this place of suffering and temptation. The same spirit that rested upon him at his baptism in chapter 3 also leads Jesus into the wilderness in chapter 4. The Spirit doesn't tempt Jesus, though. The devil does that. Jesus was fasting. When you're fasting, what is one of the things you yearn for? What is one of the natural temptations? It's food. The first temptation revolves around food, and the dialogue starts with a question directed at Jesus' relational status with God the Father. If you really are the Son of God, then why can't you do this? Notice how similar that is to Genesis 3, when the serpent asks Adam and Eve, did God actually say you couldn't do this? The devil is almost asking, hey, the disobedient Israelites in the wilderness were provided with manna from heaven. If the Israelites could get this bread, shouldn't you be able to, as the obedient Messiah? Aren't you eligible for some bread too? Jesus' response is to quote from Deuteronomy, that man doesn't live by bread alone. The second temptation is related to protection, and the third temptation is related to power. Jesus resists all of them. Jesus can relate to us because, as the book of Hebrews says, he himself has suffered being tempted. He is able to help those who are tempted. Jesus overcame the world, and through him we can find rest and strength in him. Picking up with the last half of the chapter, we're told that John is imprisoned, and after this news, Jesus leaves the area associated with John's ministry and sets up his ministry headquarters in Capernaum. Matthew relates this relocation to fulfilling a prophecy found in Isaiah that the people of Zebulon and Naphtali would have a great light dawn on them. This isn't the first time, and it won't be the last time in the Bible, where Jesus is referred to as a great light. Jesus steps on the scene and immediately starts proclaiming a message of repentance. He even uses the same phrase that John the Baptist used, and that helped get John the Baptist arrested. Then we get Jesus calling his first disciples. He begins to call them here in chapter 4, and then begins to instruct them and others in chapter 5. Here, Jesus outlines that they weren't just going to be silent audience members listening to Professor Jesus. No, he calls them to be fishers of men and announces that this would be an active following. Notice the same word characterizes the responses of the disciples, immediately. The disciples responded urgently. It wasn't a pros and cons thing. It wasn't a maybe I'll ask my dad for a raise first thing. It was a all right, let's do this thing. It says they left behind their supplies, their families, and probably the only vocation they had ever known. It was a sacrificial thing. The end of the chapter sees Jesus start to accomplish all sorts of miraculous tasks. He is healing all sorts of ailments and diseases. 
He's taking opportunities to give teachings, and he is amassing a pretty big crowd. Remember at the beginning of Matthew, I mentioned that different groups responded differently to Jesus. One was his disciples who would end up following Jesus into persecution, suffering, and martyrdom. Another was the masses who were intrigued and entertained by Jesus. Jesus has both of these groups surrounding him now. Chapter 5 starts the first long teaching section of Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount starts to address what being a follower of Jesus looks like, what being a member of the kingdom of heaven looks like. Notice that it is not look good and earn your way into the kingdom. Nope, it's having a faith in Jesus that then overflows into a life of obedience. So we enter this next section poised with the question, what are you going to do with Jesus and his teachings? This chapter displays how Jesus was confronted with testing and temptation. Just like us today and the Israelites before us, Jesus is met with temptation. But it also shows us that Jesus was perfectly obedient to his Father, not falling to temptation, never failing the tests. He is the new and greater Israel who ushers in a new covenant. Jesus has accomplished what we cannot. But Jesus doesn't just stop at accomplishing perfection. We see that Jesus calls for us to repent and turn from the things of this world and towards a new thing. Jesus calls us to himself, and we see examples in his disciples of the urgency that this call carries. It can be hard and demand change or suffering or hard conversations, but it offers a promise of hope and of peace. Turning toward Jesus means his presence with us. It means finding rest in the way, the truth, and the life. It means following him and then meditating on his teachings, allowing them to transform our own characteristics. And that sets the table for the next episode when we cover the Sermon on the Mount. If you're not already, please find and follow us on Facebook and YouTube to stay up to date on all the latest postings. The big, long Deuteronomy section was from the Christian Standard Bible, which is registered trademark of Hallman Bible Publishers. All other Bible verses were from the World English Bible Translation, which is in public domain. Until next time, I love y'all.